Three, two, one, and we are back. Guys, sorry I've been out for a little bit. I had some things to take care of. Um, with the facility, we have a bunch of fighters that are back on track now, and we're trying to get a, uh, a new crop of fighters out into the world so that we can start making that name again. And for those of you that understand the fight world, you know that it takes, it takes me some years to build a fighter from the ground up. So. Um, I, don't, I just don't have enough computing power sometimes to manage doing the podcast, run a construction company, and do the gym. So one of them gets sacrificed. And this particular time around, the podcast guy got chewed up on. So we're going to be recording today from the Fusebox Samba 1 Training Center in Westminster, Colorado. If you guys want to give us a call or drop a text to us, uh, please do at 720-207-3860. Today, I'm kind of wanting to talk about the coronavirus uh, and kind of touch base with people as I'm being asked a lot of questions about my opinion and I, I think that's an odd thing as I'm 100% not an expert at this at all. So anything that I give people would literally just be an opinion piece. Um, today I have somebody that, it was kind of an interesting story, I took my son out to lunch yesterday after getting a haircut and I had him meet me over at a uh, a ramen place for some Asian food and there was a gentleman speaking at a table next to me that uh, works within the international uh, luxury tour industry here in Colorado and he had some really interesting points on some things that he had to deal with in order to keep their business in an attempt to keep their business thriving through what I perceive as the 2020 toilet paper panic so his name is Ethan Hilton, and again with International Luxury Tours in Denver, company here in Denver. And I'm going to go ahead and let you kind of introduce yourself and talk to uh, people about uh, what you do. Hi there. Uh, I'm Ethan. Um, I am a manager of learning and development, uh, again, for an international luxury tour company. Uh, we uh, host and coordinate and run luxury tours all over the uh, the world, uh, Europe, Asia, Africa, the United States, Canada, South America, uh, absolutely everywhere. And uh, it's a 92-year-old business, and uh, it's clearly and, and severely been impacted by the recent coronavirus. Um, and we are working day and night to try and uh, maintain um, our business and, and, and keep doing good work and uh, service our customers uh, the best that we absolutely can in the face of this virus. So last night was the first night. One of my students at Fusebox Samba 1 walked up to me and said, listen, if, the, if my school, he, he goes to the school of mines, if it's closed, I'm not going to come back in. I'm going to stay isolated until this blows over. And I, uh, I was kind of shocked by that because I, I've been waiting for the layoffs to start striking the student base uh, because of the peers being shut down to whatever degree are there. Have you heard, if, are, are they opening back up again? I know metal is starting to come back in from China. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I know that, that there are a lot of uh, Asian uh, areas, like for example, the school, uh, the, the public schooling in, in Japan mm -hmm. has been shut down uh, indefinitely. 
Um, because of the virus, they don't want students going in and they don't want people mixing in large numbers, large groups, because that you know promotes the spread of the virus. But I, I, I don't know about anything else. Okay. All right, so you, you have to work, I'm assuming, with the, you had said with the CDC and other agencies in order to determine whether it's safe to let people travel to this area or that. And then you either have information or an opinion on what the coronavirus kind of is. And what I know it is is on really old cans of Lysol. <laughs> That's what I know it is. <laughs> Um, I don't know about the Lysol cans. Uh, I do know that, uh, yeah, we, we work really closely with the CDC and uh, the State Department so that we can monitor travel restrictions and the travel restriction levels throughout the world. Um, as you know, uh, travel to China has been shut down and restricted. Mm -hmm. uh, accordingly, we've shut down many of our tours to China. Uh, because we've had to. We've had to monitor uh, the people traveling on our tours that have traveled through China, uh, going to other places as well, uh, and we have had to uh, deny them, uh, you know, tours that they've signed up for, and, and we've had to re reimburse them or make other arrangements. Uh, now, with uh, uh, Lombardy and Venice, Italy uh, being quarantined, we're having to cancel tours there. Um, and we, we, we make these determinations by working with, closely with the CDC and the U.S. State Department to be able to determine what, where is it safe to travel, what are the current conditions there, uh, what is the level at, um, and, and how do we respond accordingly. Um, and we take great, great pains to do so because uh, clearly the, our, our first priority always is the safety and health of our our, our customers, our guests. Mm -hmm. We're never going to uh, take people on a tour of somewhere in the world that's uh, in a dangerous situation or where there's an epidemic or something like that. So we take it very seriously. Um, in addition to that, of course, uh, we have to service our customers when they get information. And as with most people, they get their information from the news, from social media, from the internet. And those are not always reliable sources. So we need to go out of our way to get as much factual information uh, as we can from direct sources like the CDC and the State Department. Yeah, I think determining what is a good source of, of information versus what is a source of information that you agree with is, is pretty difficult. I, I, have a, I have a saying inside of the facility is that nobody joins a religion they disagree with. Right, so when people jump onto a an algorithm of thinking, it's typically one that kind of serves their their already either their nature or the information that they already have and want to believe. And so it's I I struggle with the I struggle with having fear of of this or or anything else um, for that matter, based upon a couple of base behavioralisms that I've learned to develop over the years. And, and one of them is I don't really understand the tradition of touching each other when we, when we meet. It's a, it's a struggle. I try not to be rude in public and, uh, and deny people the handshake and just stand and stare at them. But in, when it's flu season, and I'm not talking when it's coronavirus season, but when it's flu season, I don't want, I don't want to be touched. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to touch other people. And it was just last weekend I was sick and everybody kept coming up at the fights and wanting to shake my hand. And I'm like, listen, guys, I'm, 
I'm sick and I, I don't want to explain it to every single person. And it's just, it's just a strange, it's a really strange custom to me to touch each other when, when you meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's just, I think there's too many of us to be, I guess, exercising such a primitive, <laughs> a primitive uh, behavior, in my opinion. Um, our population uh, since I graduated, I graduated in 89. When did you graduate? 1993. Okay. So when, when I graduated high school, the population of the United States was one half of what it is right now. Right. All right. So it, it changed the way I perceived when do my children drive. Well, not at 16 because I don't know that they could handle not killing somebody else's kids or people in, in an auto uh, like in an emergency, are they going to make proper evasive actions, or are they going to are they going to panic like a sixteen year old? Well, but when I came up, there was half as many people on the road, right? So half the chance, and so I had to stall my kid, for example, on driving. We had to modify the behavior from the tradition of sixteen, we just move it to seventeen, until I could see that you have gathered some uh, emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. and you can and you can react properly. Um, the other thing is, I think people just simply washing their hands a little bit more, maybe, maybe the trick. But again, I don't want to create any more. I don't want to incite any more excite, uh, any more panic, based around this particular virus. I'm literally just talking about any flu, like any flu. We don't get a ton of people. We get we get kids sick in in this place, but sure. nobody's getting sick in this place really. They're getting sick elsewhere. And bringing it in here. Now, it's it's always it's always a flu or a cold, whatever's going around school. But if if we can just get people to wash their hands up to their elbows and wash their face before they get on the mat to train, for example, I think we can reduce that that contagion a little bit. But one of the interesting factors that comes with training is, and as far as I understand, your lymphatic system operates off of your lungs, not your heart. Mm-hmm. So the heavier you're breathing, the more you're moving, the more pressure people smashing into side control and, and moving this lymphatic fluid, the less likely you are to get sick or the, less, the more likely you are to be able to combat it in a shorter period of time. Well, yeah, as, as I understand it, and again, I, I will make the full disclaimer, I'm not a medical doctor, I have no medical background, um, I have no training or education in medicine or, or virology or epidemiology or anything like that. Um, I, I do try and, and do a lot of research into things on my own just because I'm a very curious person. I'm a professional educator um, in, in, in corporate America, and thus I also have a personal philosophy of never stop learning. So right. I always try and read up as much as I can. But it, it is my understanding that the harder your body is working, the, the more it is able to combat illness and, and combat bacteria, combat viruses, it, the, the more you are active and, and working, uh, the healthier you're going to be. Um, I, I work out every morning, Monday through Friday, partially just because of that, to maintain a healthier body and lifestyle, and I very rarely get ill. I, I, I've maybe had a cold once in the last four years. I've had the flu maybe once in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't get sick. Now that also may be just my own personal biological makeup. Uh, I might have a higher immune system. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. But I do know that it does seem that people who are inactive or passive do seem to have a lot more health problems. Um, 
I have gone through my share of, of health scares. Uh, I used to be diabetic. Okay. Uh, I went through cancer. Um, and ever since I really upped my game in the health department and working out, oh my God, it's made such a huge difference. Um, I, and, and I just feel better. So yeah, simple little things like being active, getting some exercise, going for a walk, going for a jog, working out, uh, going to a gym, washing your hands. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're sick, take care of yourself. Stay home, take some precautions, get some vitamin C in your body, do the regular things, seem really to be the best, most reasonable, sensible uh, courses of action, even in the face of a new flu, which is really all that I understand that this is. COVID-19 is a coronavirus, um, which the common cold is a coronavirus. The flu is a coronavirus. It's all the same uh, family of virus. Um, this is just a new one that has just mutated and, and developed, and, and now we're dealing with it. And I'm sure uh, in 18 months there'll be a, a vaccine, and you'll get your COVID-19 shot every flu season. Which I won't take, just like I won't take the rest of them, right? I, I actually don't get my flu shot either. I, yeah. I, I never have, and I've never gotten the flu. So, right. you know, for, again, 15 years. Yes. I'm, I'm really big on my, my mother once uh, she needed some help medically, and so I had, I had the rules to helping her. One of the rules was there's primary medicine, there's secondary medicine. Primary medicine is really your behavior and your diet. And then secondary medicine is the actual doctor. All right? So if you, if you just rely upon a doctor to fix you, that's not possible. You, you have to make sure that the fuel and the behavior is, is proper, and even your mentality. <laughs> and this is where I'm seeing the mentality get carried away, because I don't know if, if you guys have saw one of the posts that I made yesterday on, on my Facebook account, but um, I own a gym and I have to buy a ton of toilet paper for people. And I showed up at the supermarket and there's nothing left. And I, from what I understand, Colorado is almost out of toilet paper. And this is the most wild example of hysteria that I've seen in a long time, that they picked out toilet paper. They didn't pick out water. They didn't pick out ramen noodles, which I'd be like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. You know, you, you can definitely use those things. Um, they picked out toilet paper. And, and everybody just, everybody bought it. Costco's out, Castle Rock's out, and my grocery store's out. And uh, I, I thought that was a peculiarly amazing example of jumping on something that is on the bottom priority in making it a top priority. And I feel like this entire flu is a little bit like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. It's causing a, a, a panic of uh, disinformation and, and action that is ill-informed and, and, and uh, uneducated. Buying uh, 12 cases of toilet paper will not prevent you from getting the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they just thought that we're all going to be locked in our house and got, I don't want any place to poop and, or what it was or they thought their water would be shut off and they couldn't shower. Um, but to me, it was, it was, an, and it was an exactly the, the physical inaction of the irrational. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, mind state of what's going on here. Yeah, there there is a lot of irrationality, and uh, it's I, I believe a lot of that just comes from our our current culture of uh, almost 
being inundated and over-informed because of social media, because we have a 24-hour news cycle now, um, there, and, and the news cycle is not just the facts. It's, it's not just objective information. It is subjective, and it is very tainted. Uh, it induces opinion. It induces uh, emotional reaction rather than objective thought. Um, and so you get people overreacting. Uh, we've had many customers call in uh, before uh, areas were closed down. They were calling in complaining, uh, why are you continuing to send people on your tours to these areas when there have been documented cases of the coronavirus? And we'd have to explain to them, well, uh, we again, working with the CDC and the U.S. State Department, uh, we don't have any reason not to go there. They, they, the travel restriction hasn't been raised. Um, even though, yes, there are documented cases of coronavirus there, there are so few and far between that there's no reason for us to cancel this tour. Um, so we're not going to cancel it. We have to keep our business running. Um, and people get very upset uh, and, and want to cancel their tours and demand their money back, and we would have to stay within our policies, you know, to, to keep from going bankrupt. Um, then when, uh, you know, the, the CDC and, and the powers that be up the travel restrictions to the appropriate level, uh, we do cancel tours. And then people call in and get upset because we're canceling tours. Um, because now they're, they're having to change their travel plans. These are very expensive packages. They're having to, to restructure their calendars, and it, it's, it's an emotional reaction. Uh, we have had to hire a whole bunch of, of people just to deal with these uh, calls. For example, our, our call center, your average agent gets about uh, anywhere from 200 to 400 calls a day. Uh, in the regular course of business. Uh, most recently, we have been getting, the average agent's getting 2,000 calls a day. 95% of those calls, all dealing with the coronavirus. Wow. Um, so we are, yeah, we, we are pulling 16 and 20-hour days. We're working weekends to deal with the impact of this virus on, on our travel. And a lot of the customer service we're doing is just de-escalation. Um, that's specifically what, what I have been doing for the last two weeks is taking agents through de-escalation of calls. How do you deal with irate customers? How do you deal with panicky travelers? How do we calm them down, provide them with facts, and help them make a rational decision? Um, because people aren't, aren't being rational. They are reacting emotionally. And it is scary, you know, when something new comes along, but there's a lot of sensationalism. Uh, there's a lot of disinformation. Um, this is just a new form of the flu. Again, uh, some simple precautions seem to be in order. Um, and, and the panic that is going on is, is, is really doing a lot more harm than good. <laughs> you had said something yesterday that, uh, that, I, that I really liked, and it was, it was about the government's reaction. And for me, I, I thought it was a little bit comical listening to the presidential address on on this because they were asking people to stop buying masks, right? So I see it in two ways. Everybody went out and bought all the masks from Home Depot. So now carpenters are going to start developing lung issues because all these people have these masks they're never going to use sitting in their basement. Yep. And the uh, and you're still going to touch it with your hands and rub it in your eyes. Yep. Like unless you change your behavior, um, you're still going to catch the cold. Yep. And it's and it's going to be a it's fucking cold. Yep. So it's. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they're like, stop buying masks. It doesn't help. And then right after that, they said, we're stockpiling all the masks. 
And I, I think that that wasn't a good message. No, not at all. You, you, do you remember them saying like yeah, that? You're like, I, wait a second, so which one are we doing? Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's inconsistent, it's not informed, and it just confuses an already panicky public. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, in my private and personal life, I'm, I'm a woodworker and I do uh, hobby woodworking, and I've got a pile of masks in my workshop, and uh, I actually had a neighbor come over and say, hey, can I have half of your masks because of this whole coronavirus thing. And I, I was like, fine, yeah, sure, here you go. <laughs> um, I only use them, and I'm a, I've, the only time I'll use them, even in the face of the coronavirus, is when I'm doing woodworking, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, that's all they're there for, and that's all the good they're going to do. Right. Um, yeah, the, as far as governmental response, uh, you know, it is the duty and the job of every government to uh, make the best decision possible for the citizenry. Um, however, because every government is pretty much elected, um, because their jobs are not you know lifetime secure jobs, they have to worry about their jobs and they have to worry about keeping their jobs come the next election cycle. So it is in the government's best interest to enact the most stringent policies possible and take the most extreme action possible in the face of an emergency. Um, Is it necessarily actually reasonable or needed? Not necessarily. Again, this is just another flu. It is affecting the world. Do we need to absolutely quarantine mass cities and so forth? Probably not. But if the government doesn't do that, if they don't take that extreme action, come the next election cycle, the citizenry are going to look at those government officials and say, you didn't do your job. You didn't take the most extreme action. You didn't bend over backwards and do everything you could do to protect us. Therefore, we're not going to vote for you again. You're out. We're going to vote for somebody else. And that person's just lost their job. So of course, they're going to take the most extreme action possible. And when taking the most extreme action possible, uh, you get situations where one minute they're saying, don't buy masks. The next minute they're saying, stockpile masks. Mm -hmm. Um, Bad things happen. It's not always reasonable. Um, So so yeah, it's it's a tough situation where you've got the government playing against its citizenry and uh, nobody is acting with a modicum of reason. Um, Everyone's panicking. Yeah. The... uh Getting people, I find it interesting that they, you'll watch it in the stock market, like you get to watch the numbers get played by panic, and that up and down, and then one guy that happens to be elected in for four years gets to blame because the market dove or, or went up, and, and this is the people's behavioralism is, is causing their own issues. And I just wanted to try to get at least the guys that are listening to this podcast to try to spread the message to get people to maybe not panic and to maybe not contribute to collapsing the economy in the short term over terror. It's, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, I've, we've, we're both old enough to where we've gone through the swine flus and the um, uh, bird flu and the, what, the N1 Oh yeah, I don't remember what that was technically called. N1H1. Yeah, N1H1. That's yeah. it. Yeah. 
And man, everybody thought the world was, the sky was falling and, and it was just gonna be the end of it. And it, you know, historically it just blows over as fast, at least in modern history, it blows over as fast as it arrives. So I don't think a lot of people understand that back in the early, late 1800s, no, early 1900s, the influenza, mm -hmm. the great influenza outbreak, I don't remember the years that that occurred. Um, but I believe air travel had kind of just began, and somebody boarded an airplane in Texas, if I remember correctly, and flew to Alaska or something of that nature, mm -hmm. and it killed entire towns of this this strain. But I had talked to my students a couple times in here, and they had asked, is it just a cold? And I said, I think it's just a cold. But they said, is it really bad? And they said, from what I've seen, what has been sent to me, it has less symptoms than our flu. Now, that being said, I don't know how bad it's going to be. It really depends upon the health condition you're in. But do you remember when you were a kid and like the first flu that you can remember getting and how bad that was, right? Your immune system had no idea what to do with it. So I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. So I think, again, we're overreacting. And I, uh, I really hope that people continue to go out and business as usual. Um, just like if you were walking into a place and you didn't want to catch the flu, how would you behave? Behave that way. Well, yeah, and it's a, it's a matter of chain reaction. Um, how does it affect the economy? How does one decision, you know, gonna gonna bring down an uh, an economic uh, situation? Well, for example, uh, you've got everybody looking for uh, that Purell hand wipe stuff, the mm -hmm. hand sanitizer. Mm -hmm. um, I can speak uh, from our own industry, uh, we had to go out and buy up a bunch of cases and cases and cases of hand sanitizer to put on our cruise ships uh, to ensure that every stateroom had Purell wow. in it because customers insisted, if I'm going to go on tour, I, I want to have that hand sanitizer available. So we were like, okay, that's a fair request in the face of this. So we have to go out and we have to, you know, supply all of our cruise ships with hand sanitizer. Now that's taking hand sanitizer out of the market. So now you have a situation where there's no hand sanitizer going to the Target, the, uh, the, the Safeway, the, the grocery stores, the, the Walmarts, et cetera. Um, and people are panicking because they can't find this hand sanitizer thinking that it's going to be the be all and all savior of keeping them safe, when it, which it's not. Um, it, it takes more than just some hand sanitizer to keep you healthy. Um, but that affects the market. So now you have situations where apparently uh, people are going on Amazon to buy hand sanitizer and they've marked it up. So they're price gouging. Um, you've got people looking for face masks. Like you said, they're going to Home Depot to buy face masks which are going to impact people who use that day-to-day -day for their business, like mm. carpenters and, and things like that. Uh, I heard on the news this morning where there was uh, an unscrupulous person who was selling uh, online face masks two for 50 bucks um, and apparently wasn't even sending them out. It was a total scam where people were sending this person their money to buy these $50 face masks, and then they would never get the face mask, and now this person has disappeared. Wow. They've taken down their website, they've taken down their 800 number, and it's a scam. Um, again, this causes economic panic, um, and it's all a chain reaction, whereas the most reasonable action, washing your hands, taking care of yourself if you do get sick, and, and not giving into panic, not buying 12 cases of toilet paper 
or, or insisting you need you know, a case of Purell, that's going to be the action to take. That's going to stop any sort of an economic panic. That's going to help spread the message to other people. Relax. It's going to be okay. We've survived way worse than this. Um, another example, our company, uh, in the 92 history of year of our company, we've only had one layoff ever, and it was during 9-11. Um, the, the travel industry was so impacted by 9-11 that we had to lay people off. Yeah, that was a brutal time. Yeah, but it is the only time, not during SARS, not during the swine flu, not during the bird flu. We have never, ever had to lay anybody else off, and we're not going to lay people off during coronavirus either because, again, we'll get through it. Um, we've had to tighten our belts. Uh, we've, we've stopped our budgeting on a few uh, capital projects and a, a few hires because of this but we'll get through it by not panicking. That's really the, the message I've gotten from this is, is, again, be reasonable, do a little research, you know, don't trust more, don't trust only one source, right. you know, do, do, do some investigation, but also understand everybody's health is different, everybody's biology is different, take care of yourself, you know your body, you, you know what it keeps to, takes to keep you healthy. Like you said, primary medical care. Yeah. <laughs> so, for those of you that are in the fight world, I think we all know that we've actually boxed or kickboxed or even grappled people that it turns out that they were, they were infected with the flu at the time that we trained with them, and you didn't get sick. Almost, almost never. So, I think part of, of maintaining the health, whether we're talking, I'm still, again, I'm talking about the regular flu, because I think that your chances of catching the flu are far greater than catching the, this, this other type of flu. So you're, uh, you go out to the nightclubs, maybe uh, don't make out with anybody that you don't know, right? It just basic stuff like that, but that's not a behavior that I wouldn't have used at any other point in time. Like, I don't want any disease that a stranger may have. Yeah. So just like subtle moral adjustments back on not doing things to uh, expose yourself nonsensibly to any kind of infection, let alone this, this particular one. And guys, the amount of people, like alcohol and tobacco tend to take almost everybody that will be taken uh, by those two those two chemical substances, and there's there's no fear. People are continuing to purchase the disease, right? And so now we have a cold. Guys, we have a cold. So I'm gonna ask that you continue to train, you continue to uh, get out into the world, see the place, it's, a, it's an amazing planet, you have one short life. I don't know if hiding in your apartment from catching a cold is gonna be the, the answer to, to what you want your life to be. I mean, if it is, do your thing. But otherwise, I think uh, taking care of yourself, making sure that you're breathing heavy every single day, whether you're running, you're walking, um, get out, grapple, whatever you can tolerate. I'm going to ask people to pick up the heaviest thing that they can imagine to carry, the biggest burden that they can imagine in their life, and do that. So when you're talking exercise, if, if you have a hard time walking, and the biggest thing that you can imagine is tennis, then try. Get out there and give it a shot and, and stage by stage get better at moving side to side on that court better. But if the biggest thing that you can imagine is the fight world, and the fight world is a strange thing to me because 
everybody thinks they can do it because everybody can to a point. Um, everybody can dance too, but not everybody can be in a ballet. So what I, what I see is like guys watching the fights and they're like, yeah, I could do that. You know what I'd do if I was in that fight? I would do this one thing. But, <laughs> but I never hear guys at a ballet going, you know what I'd do if I was in this ballet? I would do this period, I'd do this split thing. And I never hear the comparison otherwise. So I almost, a lot of times when I go out, I don't even tell people I'm a martial artist because I don't want to, um, doctors won't do it, but like everything in the educational form from lawyers down will find out that I'm a martial artist and by the end of the night will be drunk enough to take a swing on me to find out if in fact sitting at a desk is better than training six hours a day. <laughs> so uh, just to avoid it, I tell people I'm a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and they just leave that's me alone. Awesome. They're like, that's terribly boring. I'm like, isn't it? So um, getting out and continuing to live, just uh, do it within, just since we're in the martial art world, if you're looking at, look at this like self-defense. I mean, uh, we've had situations here at the gym where homeless people have come and, and needed help and I've and I've helped him because I knew his sister and he put some of his stuff in the gym and he had left it here for six months and so it got thrown out and he showed up six months later one of my instructors was in the office he's outside beating on the windows I'm driving to Washington at the time and he's like hey coach what do I do should I go out and take care of this and I said no you, you don't take care of this at all just leave him outside he goes, I could take him. That's not the point. The point is you don't know what condition his health is in. And your health may be in that condition afterwards. Right? Yep. So we're smart enough to understand that viruses and bacterias um, can get passed on uh, with open blood impact. You know, saliva getting spit on, whatever the case may be. So, guys, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out. I'm going to make a, uh, a prediction. All the Purell's fucking gone. All the toilet paper's gone. And what ends up happening at the end of this is we make this new super bacteria since all the Purell really kills is bacteria. And, and it doesn't kill at all. It just kills enough to where the strong stuff remains and then continues to regenerate. So I predict another form of like a super strep A or something coming out of this global panic over the what was it 80 cases two days ago yep and um so that's that's what i think is going to happen i think we're going to strengthen bacteria guys uh, well done that's, <laughs> that's that's the outcome and uh, give us a real good reason to actually panic and in that case we're gonna have to go to uh back to raw honey to to fix that stuff. There you There's, go. What, I don't remember the name of the raw honey that's out of uh, New Zealand, but it's killing everything. Is it? Yeah, killing everything. Everything they throw at it, it kills. Sweet. So raw honey here, guys, uh, if you don't want to use uh, medicine for cuts and stuff off the mat, if you just smear a little raw honey on it, worked for the Vikings, mm -hmm. kept them from dying, works for me really well. Um, works well at keeping uh, cold sores in check. If you, if you drink it on a regular basis, you'll, um, everybody I've given it to and myself has reduced cold sore outbreaks by, I would say, 40, 
Nice. I, just okay. I actually eat a lot of honey. I, I, I love honey. I brew mead at home. So oh, dear. Yeah, so I keep a lot of... talk, man. I, I keep a lot of honey around, and, and I love it. Maybe that's why I don't get sick. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, so if it's raw, <laughs> is it raw? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the raw honey doesn't like virus and bacteria. So it, it really goes to work, and it also helps to keep your testosterone levels up hmm. if you take it in an adequate um, amounts, which is somewhere around nine tablespoons a day mixed in water. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, I use it in replace of hormone therapy. And as long as you stay on it, uh, uh, my vision is a little bit better. My attitude's entirely better. And my health is better. My recovery is better. Less physical pain. It reduces inflammation. I was told that it was the bee pollen inside of the honey that does the uh, inflammation reduction. Nice. And I think inflammation is basically the core root of all evil inside of our body. Mm-hmm. And so eating things that can reduce that. Again, we're talking about behaviors, aren't we? Yep. So we, we keep reducing ourselves to a series of behaviors to um, improve the quality of life. And guys, I would hate to see those of you that are young reduce the quality of your life over the fear of catching a cold and uh, continue to get out and, and continue to kick ass. And speaking of keeping the economy moving, if you guys are going to pick up tires, I'm going to ask you to go over to Wadsworth and Colorado Boulevard to Mark Spivak. He owns the Big O Tire over there. That guy has taken care of me for the last 20 years, and Big O's tire warranty is exactly perfect. You don't have to purchase it. it doesn't, it's not an extra overhead. They'll take care of you. If you blow one tire out, they'll take care of you on the rest. you got to go over there and check out what exactly they'll do for you. Um, those of you that are members, uh, you can ask Dylan and a couple other guys inside of the club here uh, what's... Uh, they've gotten done over at Big O. They've basically gotten fleet rates for just mentioning that they're part of the club. So if you guys uh, want to get over there and check it out uh, before the summer gets here so you can have a new set of tires, do that. But certainly don't start hoarding your money and shut the economy down because you know what you're not going to get? If that place gets tight on business, you're not going to get a deal on tires. So that's going to go for everything. So get out into the world and check it out. So uh, for you, Ethan, do you have anything else you'd like to put out here onto this? Uh, no, just uh, think reasonably. Uh, don't panic. And if you do get sick, remember the statistics. 98% of the people that have gotten this virus recover and are just fine. So relax, be reasonable, wash your hands. And as was said, please, please, please go out and enjoy life. Travel around. Right on. And that's a really better, that's a way better uh, survival rate than AIDS. And people are still out there hitting on each other so uh, let you guys do what you want with that in your head and that is the uh, the podcast for the day we're going to cut it real short I just wanted to make sure that we touched on the coronavirus and the overreaction so go out and stock up on toilet paper I guess guys toilet paper it is (laughs) thanks for your time bye